Section 7 of the National Geographic Magazine, Volume 10, January 1899. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Larry Wilson. Lloyd's Journey Across the Great Pygmy Forest Mr. Albert B. Lloyd, an intrepid young Englishman, recently performed a remarkable journey across the great pygmy forest of Central Africa, which he traversed by a more southerly route than that taken by Stanley. After many interesting adventures with the pygmies, he descended the entire length of the Aruwimi, passing through immense tracts of forest inhabited only by cannibals. He afterward descended the main Congo River to the terminus of the railway, whence he traveled to Matadi by train. Although much of the route had never before been explored, Mr. Lloyd performed his hazardous journey without any companions save a couple of Baganda servants and a few native carriers. He, however, met with no serious difficulty from the natives and had not to fire a shot in self-defense. Interviewed at Lisbon by a representative of Reuters News Agency, Mr. Lloyd said, I left Bamutenda in Toru on September 19th striking due south to fort Katway, the british military station on the northern shore of lake albert thence i followed the simliki river to mbene the frontier fort of the congo state there i crossed the simliki into belgian territory from this point i crossed through the heart of the great pygmy forest the northern part of which was traversed by stanley after passing through the forest i travelled right down the aruwimi to the junction of that river with the congo although a portion of the journey especially along the aruwimi and through the dark forest was somewhat risky i met with no serious opposition i never had to resort to the use of arms i was entirely unaccompanied by europeans until i reached the belgian state station at basoko on the congo my caravan consisted of two baganda boys as personal servants and a few native carriers guides i obtained at the various villages en route as to the situation in toro mr lloyd said since the administration of captain sitwell in that province marvellous progress and improvement have been made when i first went there two years ago there was constant trouble with the chiefs and the natives but now matters go on very smoothly the chiefs recognize the king who was placed there by captain lugard and loyally obey him it is very significant that owing to the loyalty of the watoro mwanga's people despite repeated efforts have never crossed toru but have met with continual repulses it is a matter of great congratulation that the force of one hundred twenty sudanese in toru under captain sitwell has remained absolutely loyal during the whole of the rebellion this is the only province of uganda which has not been disorganized owing to the late mutiny just after i left captain sitwell and captain meldon started on an expedition to check the rebels under gabrielli mwanga's commander-in-chief who was attempting to proceed to the south to join the ex-king of uganda in unyoro king kasagama of toro is a thoroughly reliable and indeed exemplary man baptized by bishop tucker in eighteen ninety six he has since lived a thoroughly consistent christian life describing his journey and his experiences with the pygmies mr lloyd continued during the first ten days travelling through toru 
nothing of a specially noteworthy character occurred i reached the belgian frontier post of mbeni on october first and then entered the great dark forest altogether i was twenty days walking through the gloomy shades i saw a great many of the little pygmies but generally speaking they kept out of the way as much as possible at one little place in the middle of the forest called holenga i stayed at a village of a few huts occupied by so-called arabs there i came upon a great number of pygmies who came to see me they told me that unknown to myself they had been watching me for five days peering through the growth of the primeval forest at our caravan they appeared to be very frightened and even when speaking covered their faces i slept at this village and in the morning i asked the chief to allow me to photograph the dwarfs he brought ten to fifteen of them together and i was enabled to secure a snapshot i could not give a time exposure as the pygmies would not stand still then with great difficulty i tried to measure them and i found not one of them over four feet in height all were fully developed the women were somewhat slighter than the men but were equally well formed i was amazed at their sturdiness their arms and chests were splendidly developed as much so as in a good specimen of an englishman these men have long beards halfway down the chest which imparts to them a strange appearance they are very timid and cannot look a stranger in the face their eyes are constantly shifting as in the case of monkeys they are fairly intelligent i had a long talk with the chief and he conversed intelligently about the extent of the forest and the number of his tribe i asked him several times about the belgians but to these questions he made no reply except for a tiny strip of bark cloth men and women are quite nude they are armed with bows and arrows the latter tipped with deadly poison and carry small spears they are entirely nomadic sheltering at night in small huts two to three feet in height they never go outside the forest during the whole time i was with them they were perfectly friendly there are no europeans in any part of the forest but there are a few villages containing three or four houses which are known as auxiliary belgian stations they are occupied by so-called arabs who have been placed there by the belgians in parts i found a fairly good track perhaps a couple of feet wide overhung and crossed by boughs of enormous creepers but generally speaking it was easier to cut our way right through the tropical growth in places the darkness was very great once i tried to photograph my tent at midday but even with nearly half an hour's exposure the attempt was a failure occasionally i came upon a very small natural clearing but generally speaking the growth was very dense and it was like advanced twilight in many places it was impossible to read even at noon i walked during the three weeks i was going through the forest as although i had taken a donkey with me if i had ridden him i should have continually been pulled off by the creepers we had several narrow escapes from falling trees on one occasion my two boys and myself who were at the head of the party had just passed under an enormous tree when it fell with a crash between us and the rest of the carriers had we passed two seconds later it would have fallen on us i measured one tree which had fallen across the track and found it to be twenty feet in circumference the death-like stillness of the forest was continually broken by reports like thunder 
as these giant trees fell crashing to the ground at night time these reports were most startling the forest is literally alive with elephants leopards wild pigs buffalo and antelope fires at night kept off any leopards that might have been prowling round our little encampment at night i used to fasten my tent to the trunks of trees and surround the camp with a zareba of small trees we never had a guard at night the first europeans i met after leaving the forest were two belgian officers at a place called mawambi on the yaturi river just after reaching that place i again struck stanley's route and marched for ten days along the banks of the yaturi to the village of avakubi travelling here was very difficult in fact almost as bad as in the great forest the tracks were all overgrown and the country practically uninhabited its only occupants were cannibals at avakubi which place i reached on october twentieth i got two large dugout canoes and embarked on the aruwimi the natives rigged up a little covering on one of the boats for protection from the sun and this nearly cost me my life i was in this boat and we were just starting down a strong rapid when the craft began to sink and i was unable to get free of the covering i eventually got to the surface in an exhausted condition but i lost a large number of photographs ten days journey down the arumi brought us to its junction with the congo at basoko this was regarded as a very quick journey but we were of course going downstream during this section i passed through the country of the cannibal bangawa tribe a very warlike people who are noted for their wonderful workmanship in iron which they make into spears knives etc they are at present more or less cowed by the belgians but i doubt if this condition of affairs will be permanent and i believe the belgians will have trouble with them yet there are many congo state posts down the aruwimi with white officers and apparently they manage to keep on fairly good terms with the cannibals by whom they are surrounded personally i was received most kindly by these cannibals they are it is true warlike and fierce but open and straightforward i did not find them to be of the usual cringing type but manly fellows who treated one as an equal i had no difficulty with them whatever at one place i put together the bicycle i had with me and at the suggestion of these people rode round their village in the middle of a forest the scene was remarkable as thousands of men women and children turned out dancing and yelling to see what they described as a european riding a snake at basoko on the congo i embarked in the river steamer ville de bruxelles and came down the river calling at stations en route after a journey of six hundred miles in the boat i reached leopoldville on november twenty fourth there i joined the railway which i may say is one of the most wonderful things i have seen in africa i travelled in an armchair in an excellent saloon carriage and finally reached matadi whence i proceeded to join the portuguese mail steamer for lisbon asked in conclusion for information concerning the many reported military movements on the congo mr lloyd replied according to report baron Donis was on an expedition to the kasai district and from what i heard he was experiencing great difficulty especially in the matter of transport owing to the swampy character of the country the only other expeditions i heard of were those of lieutenant henry who was on the way from stanley pool to lado 
and of major lothair who had just left bangala for the north i saw large numbers of troops being trained at bangala generally speaking the whole congo was quiet certainly tranquillity prevailed along the river an expedition was about to be sent forth to basoko against a very hostile tribe it was reported that it was not safe for any european to go more than two hours journey to the north of basoko at this place i stayed with captain guy burroughs who is commandant of the aruwimi district and who helped me considerably the influence of such men and other englishmen who are now in the congo state service is doing a great deal to check excesses which were formerly so common during the whole of his journey mr lloyd enjoyed good health having only two very slight attacks of fever end of section seven